0: Society and culture can be shackles locking us in a mental prison cell. Iconoclastic thinking is a sure way to break the chains and reveal the truth, but is it worth the risk? And does this make why this stuff and not some other stuff the most dangerous question you can ask? Welcome to Season 2, Episode 5 of the Evolve Faster Podcast. I'm Scott Ely. Reality Unchained smashing the icons of social delusion. A dozen scientists in white coats stood inside a disorganized research lab, frozen like snowmen. Sam stood writing at the front wall. The whiteboard filled with numbers and equations looked like a time capsule to a previous time amongst the paper-thin, transparent computer monitors and other futuristic gear in use around the room. She reread the sentence at the top of the whiteboard, written in all caps, which started, Reality isn't. The rest of the sentence was blocked by a black and white image. Even though these findings were no joke, Sam smiled at the subject of the image and its implications. Are we sure this is right? Once we write this up, Peter, her lead physicist, trailed off. Sam assumed he's the one who found the drawing online and taped it to the board. He continued, I mean, it's just, it can't be possible. This would explain some things, but it would also violate a lot of what we know about the new about the universe, Peter, new. Sam corrected. And yes, we've gone through this. We all agreed to unchain our minds from core conceptions, which might hinder us and go back to first principles so everything is possible. We threw out the standard model. We started with the blank slate. Yes, but, Peter replied, it's just impossible to believe. And if I'm honest, it's scary. I never thought we'd find any of this, and especially not that. Her eyes followed Peter's gesture to the holodeck to the right of the whiteboard, which played the data visualization on repeat. Every time someone called attention to it, the room would again fall silent. The miniature black hole twirled and skipped as the visualization repeated. They'd all seen simulations of them before, but this one had been in the facility with them when the collision happened. It was never possible at CERN. And even when this radically faster Solarius accelerator came online a decade ago, in early 2030, it still wasn't supposed to be possible. Sam had a hard time holding back a smile. Yes, we proved them all wrong. And yes, it probably means we've uncovered the existence of extra dimensions. And we all know what that means. But you all saw what happened once the black hole appeared. The data might take months to get through, but we have to find out what in the hell that was. Sam returned the marker to her coat pocket and slowly looked each member of her team directly in the eye before continuing a clear trace of Sam's right hand appeared among the numbers as she jammed her fingers at the calculations on the whiteboard saying we can prove it, I know we can but it's not going to be easy no one will believe it I've spent my life challenging the status quo and pursuing ideas that everyone thinks are radical it never gets any easier but there's nothing else worth doing the scientists murmured When the chatter toned down, Sam continued, what do you say, are you with me? Some nodded, some raised hands, some embraced. They might not know what they're getting themselves into, Sam thought, but at least they think they're ready. That would have to do. Decades of hard work were finally paying off. Nothing could stop her now. Her white lab coat floated behind Sam like a superhero's cape as she walked between the scientists. She whirled at the door and said, okay, thank you, great work. Let's break until Monday. Sorry, I know your Friday night is already ruined. I'll be in over the weekend to start thinking about how exactly we'll tell people that their reality probably isn't what it seems. Wearing casual jeans and a tight black t-shirt, Sam stood paralyzed in front of lab doors, now entangled in heavy metal chains. Putting her face close against the tinted, heavy glass doors, all she saw inside was more darkness, as if staring into the depth of the universe itself. Chains? You can't be serious, she thought. There were almost no manual doors anymore, but the biometric scanner in her wing of the facility had recently gone out so the lab doors had been on lock and key for about the last week. And as if that wasn't strange enough, now she had to deal with chains? But she tried her key and it didn't work. What in the hell was this all about? Messages. She uttered the command tersely, frustrated that this was eating into her time. This was totally against her normal weekend MO. Normally, she would never get bogged down by messaging during her weekend focus time. The introvert in her loved nothing better than a Sunday morning in the lab because no one else ever came to work. The internal interface had already sorted by urgency. The message that opened made the blood drain out of her face. She clenched her fists as the message was read to her in a voice so soothing that it was irritating. Dear Dr. Payne, the Scientific Council of America has canceled your research, Our Safety and Ethics Committee determined that the potential benefits of your work do not outweigh the existential risks it poses to humanity. Your team will be disbanded. Given your lineage and contribution over the last decade, we're working on a reassignment. We'd like to remind you that any work outside of the government's jurisdiction is illegal. If you fail to comply with the law, we will be forced to take measures that go far beyond canceling your monthly UBI payment. It is the... Stop! This time she yelled it aloud. She'd heard enough. How dare you, she thought. You think my work is worth less than the sorry excuse for monthly income you give everyone? And you think you have the power to just cancel my life's work? How in the hell did they even know what she'd found? Her data was firewalled. And even her own team had finally just put the pieces together on Friday. Was was one of them disloyal? She started thinking through her team members in rapid succession, but then stopped. It didn't matter anyway. She wanted to put her fist right through the glass. Existential threat? Were they really so clueless as to believe the nonsense speculation from when the new accelerator opened that a mini black hole could collapse the entire universe? No, it couldn't be. This message came from the council directly. There were real physicists on that committee. This had to be something else. Sam shook her head and screamed, dropping her bag. Why was it that no matter what she did in life, something made her take the hard path and something was always trying to stop her. It had been like this since she was a teenager, almost as if she'd been pre-programmed to try and fail. She paced back and forth in front of the door, trying to decide what to do. She stopped and looked hard at the door handles. Not this time. I'm taking what's mine. Sam grabbed the chain. It felt heavy and cold in her hands, like a dead snake made of steel. With a deep inhale and exhale, she slammed the chain back onto the door and stormed down the hallway. She stopped in front of the utility closet one of the few doors in the building that didn't even have a biometric scanner. It was usually unlocked, but not always. She inhaled with determination and said again, I'm taking what's mine. A relieved sigh escaped her lips as the door handle bent to her will without resistance. The utility closet was full of supplies used by the maintenance robots that cleaned the facility on regular intervals. But because the accelerator walls were lined with complex arrays of mechanical elements, the closet was also stocked with tools. After a few minutes spent sifting through the shelves, she said, idiots, they just left it right here. Sam speed walked back to the lab doors with the bolt cutters in her hand. She'd never used them before, but she'd seen her husband Will use them once to cut away an old section of wire fence. Placing a chain link between the blades, she tensed her muscles on the wide grips of the bolt cutters. Frozen in that awkward position, the reality of what she was about to do set in. If you cut the chains and break in, then you'll get into trouble. And if you get into trouble, then your family will suffer. The traitor in her head created several more if-then messages that made her knees feel wobbly like a half-cut tree. The bolt cutter went limp in her hands, almost dropping it. She tried to shake the doubt, but the feeling stuck like chewing gum on the bottom of a shoe. With the second attempt, the next wave of doubt swept over her. If you break inside, then the government will blacklist you. If they blacklist you, then you won't be able to take care of Maya. This time, the bolt cutter slipped to the ground, almost smashing her toe. Sam turned and sat down hard, her back pressed against the door. The chains above her head felt like cold arms falling over Sam's shoulders, shackling her to the door. God damn it. She couldn't do it. Sam wiped tears away from her cheeks. She pulled her right hand back and massaged the area below her ear, where the birthmark was. It was in the shape of a bird's claw, and her fingers always seemed to gravitate towards it when she was tired, excited, or angry. It wasn't until she got to the car that she realized she'd picked up and stolen the bolt cutters. Two decades of my life invested in this path, and all I got was this lousy tool. But nothing was funny right now. She answered her car's query if it should take her home. As the car sped towards the highway, she realized for the first time in a long time that she had absolutely no idea what to do next. Sam found her husband Will sitting at the table in front of a paper-thin computer. Hi, she said. Sam, what are you doing back already? What's wrong? You look like someone sucked the jam right out of your donut. Sam cracked a tiny smile at the joke Will always used Whenever he knew she wasn't doing well, he could always tell. It's over, she said, more weakly than intended. They, they shut down my project just like that. No warning, nothing. I tried contacting Peter, Angela, all of them. It's like they've excommunicated me or them or both. They chained the goddamn entrance will as if there's a nuclear bomb inside. Well, based on everything you've told me, Will replied, there might as well be. Using her gaze to signal to Will that he isn't helping, Sam continued. And also that little if-then mental trick of yours didn't help me either. In fact, it made everything worse. I was on the verge of taking my data back when that crap started clouding my mind. I just couldn't stop thinking about what would happen to you and Maya if I broke into the lab to get my data. Well, I didn't talk about that trick, as you call it, to help you decide if you should break into a government's lab or not. It's more about perspective. Irritated by Will's calm response to her situation, Sam interrupted. Please, I have no idea what to do next, and I'm in no mood for your Zen teachings. It was enough that they cut my funding. But with all my research data locked inside that building, there's nowhere to go. I can't do everything from the beginning. It would take years, In this last experiment, the one that finally changed everything, I don't know how to replicate it. Even if I could get back to work with the accelerator somehow, we didn't have time to figure out what even happened. It was some kind of happy mistake that caused it to form. So without my data, and without my team, I'm... Well, my offer still stands, of course, Will said standing up to take her bag from her hands and guide her to a chair. You can always go underground. With my connections, I could find you the people you need to continue your research. Well, please, not that again. The government is just waiting for me to make one wrong move so they can shut down my monthly income. If it weren't for my family name, my UBI would have been taken long ago. And then what? You've been on their watch list for decades. It was easier to act like a revolutionary 15 years ago, before anyone had these goddamn nanobots in their bloodstreams. But now, it's no longer a joke, Will, so if I go down that path too, we're officially screwed. I can't risk our livelihood, especially with Maya. I just don't know what to do. It's like I'm all alone against the world, yet again. Maybe for once in my life, I should stop being so stubborn about everything and just quit. Will leveled his gaze at her as if he was physically setting aside the jokes. You can't quit. Most people succumb to the pressure of other people's ideas, but not you, Samantha. You always speak your mind and act. If a conventional wisdom gets in your way, you squash it like a bug. So the fact that you're on the verge of shattering everything we know about the world just raises the stakes. You can't quit now. Or more precisely, you're unable to quit. Sam looked at her husband with indignance. I can quit, she said, and I should. I don't owe anything to anyone except to you and Maya. I'm not talking about others. I'm talking about you, Will replied. You can't quit because you need to do this, even if it means breaking the law or breaking the chains restraining you. I don't think you listen carefully to the if-then trick since there's a third command else it's like logical programming code if sam decides to go underground with her research then the government will be on her tail but there's the opposite path the counterfactual as we historians call it the else if you decide to quit then you'll be haunted by your inner self for quitting since that goes against your very nature sam scoffed and said so you think i have no say in it That I'm chained, or enslaved even, by something that's outside my control? Some sort of what, higher power? Will smiled. She was irritated because he was so good at getting both under her skin and around her traps. He replied, yes, but don't let that discourage you. Although the code brings you to the same conclusion, between if and then, you get to make a choice on how you should act. So there, at least, is your feeling of free will. Sam shook her head and started to get up, saying, well, my free will is telling me to. We'll cut her off. Sam, we all have roles to play. I'm a historian and unlikely revolutionary. He squirmed in his seat at the word and continued, highly unlikely, in fact. But you, you're a true iconoclast. The people who have moved the needle of civilization the most have been our iconoclasts. From the ancient Greeks, to the likes of Copernicus, Darwin, Nietzsche, and Turing, and select others in between. And you, Sam, you have what it takes to be in those ranks. Sam turned away, a look of disdain on her face. You're out of your mind, Will. You've had that silk nanotechnology floating around in your body for too long. It's clearly cooking your neurons. What makes you... will cut her off and continued. Take Copernicus, for example, as his story is somewhat similar to yours, and that his promotion of heliocentrism questioned the religious worldview of the time. What's funny is that in modern times, religious apologists now claim that Copernicus was in good standing with the church, and that they accepted his idea. Yet, he lived under house arrest until he died, and his book was banned for 200 years. Imagine that happening to a scientist today. Would you call that person in good standing if your last book was banned from now until the year 2242? A long view of history can sometimes distort the timeline of individual events. Sam sighed and said, if this is how you make people feel better, you need to work on your methods. Will laughed and continued. Great, I'll press on then. So what you've found could go even further. If I'm understanding it, your discovery and your work could also call into question even the scientific worldview. You couldn't have thought this would just be accepted with open arms. Of course they've been watching your every move. I know you don't know exactly what you've discovered yet, but based on the domino effect of the traditional view of reality that starts to fall as soon as extra dimensions are proved, I mean, I'm shocked it took them this long to shut you down. That information is a threat to everything this government is trying to hide, Sam." Sam sat silently. Will was right. He'd said much of this before, and she didn't believe him. But now it was real. Will's gaze penetrated her, waiting for the words to sink in. You're just like them, Sam. You're an iconoclast, a person determined to break the icons and chains of the world in search of the truth. Sam replied, So you're saying that I'll burn at the stake, no matter what? Because it didn't end well, at least in their lifetimes, for most of the thinkers you described. Will replied, Luckily, we no longer burn people, but metaphorically speaking, yes, it comes with the role. The fact people are coming with torches at you right now might just prove you're on the right track. The world needed Copernicus, and the other iconoclasts to break the chains. And now the world needs people to challenge the modern demons that are holding us back. And this monotheistic-like techno-government and its hold over people is one of them. Sam wobbled as if drunk. "'Will,' she said, "'while I appreciate the theatrics of your glory days as a history professor, I'm not some great historical figure. I'm just a scientist who cares deeply about her research.' but I'm also a mother and a wife. You're saying I don't have a choice, that I'm chained by who I am? Well, guess what? I'll break that chain." Will smiled and said, "'You can't change who you are, Sam." There's a question I like to ask as a historian. Why this stuff and not some other stuff? Think about it this way. Why is alcohol legal and marijuana is not in most places? If you look at them from a safety perspective, Alcohol is not safer for the most part. Both get you into an altered consciousness quite effectively. But the way people act and think on these drugs is quite different. Alcohol just became the status quo. And then generations of money and legislation have made it impossible to change it. So this question is fascinating. Why alcohol and not weed? How would the world look in reverse? Or another example. Why do monotheistic religions primarily dominate the globe now, when for a long time, polytheism was all the rage? What if the idea to only focus on one God had come earlier, or never at all? So this stuff we have in our world, thousands of years of thinking, writing, religious wars, witches burning on stakes, and of course the positives like community and experimenting with moral codes, might never have happened. It would all have gone down very differently, for better or for worse. Or what if meditation had swept the globe instead of praying to gods? It's fascinating to consider, don't you think? Sam tilted her head, saying, I thought we were done with the lecture. What are you saying? Will leaned forward and said, What I'm saying is, You're in a rare position to make a change to the core of the current stuff we all accept quite literally since your work could overturn centuries of conventional wisdom about the nature of reality. The iconoclast forces people to consider other stuff. Don't miss your chance, Sam. This opportunity probably won't come again. Besides, if this AI government wants to stop you, it means you're definitely doing something right. Sam walked to the window and looked out. Although sunny, the rain was beginning to fall. She couldn't actually remember the last time she paused to watch the rain. It was so beautiful. Streams of accumulated rain rolled down the window. Staring at a large drop that hadn't yet started to roll, she could see a colorful prism of fractal patterns reflecting through it. They're almost like tiny little portals through the very fabric of space, she thought. Her mind continued to drift. Behind her, Sam faintly heard Will continue speaking. Sam, in high school, you challenged the coming techno worldview on a global stage, and you were right about all of it. Then in college, when you pulled a Thoreau and escaped society to find your path in life, I worried about you constantly, but I knew you had to do it. You came back from those two years a different person. Still Sam, but even stronger, and less willing to compromise about your ideals. Society was not going to shape you. You were going to make it bend around you as if you were a new fundamental force of nature like gravity. And you were so clear then in what you wanted to spend your life doing. You told me, I will discover the true nature of reality. You, Will paused and looked down before continuing. You broke up with Rose, even though she'd waited for you and decided to marry me. And then we had Maya. You've never ever backed down on what you knew you needed to do in life. No matter how hard those decisions were, do you regret any of them? Have you ever been okay with the stuff that's been dictated to you? Sam put her hand on the glass. The window absorbed both the coolness of the rain and the sun's warmth. It felt good on her skin. She closed her eyes as Will's words continued to soothe her nerves. She loved him and Maya so much. Sam, you can't predict what will happen to you, even if you could predict what would happen to the entire universe, even if you had all the knowledge of the world and could actually see into the future. But you can decide to. Will stopped short as Sam whirled around, frozen in an almost ecstatic pose. What's wrong, Sam? Sam stuttered, you just reminded me of something. Will looked confused. I don't understand. What, I was just... As if playing a video of her entrance 15 minutes prior in reverse, Sam grabbed her bag and put on her coat. She moved quickly back towards the door. Will laughed and said, where are you going? To change this stuff, she said, because it's the wrong stuff. As Sam got into the car, she heard Will call after her from the front door. If Sam realizes she's an iconoclast, then she will change the world again. Else, Will would have to endure months of Sam's depression and self-loathing. The car accelerated away, silently driving Sam back exactly the way she'd just come. Sam's footsteps disappeared into silence as she hustled like a breeze down the hallway. The facility was solid, built like a concrete bunker with rubber-coated floors. Her shoes squeaked with each step towards the door. The bolt cutter was poorly concealed in her bag, the long handles sticking out like a pair of rabbit ears. I'm taking what's mine, she thought, and this time, I mean it. But as she turned the last corner, she let go of the bag. Once again, nearly dropping the heavy bolt cutters onto her toes. At first, she didn't even know what startled her. There was no one here. Everything looked the same except the chains had already been cut. Sam grabbed the chain. The first link to the right of the lock appeared to have been cut by bolt cutters. Sam's mouth dropped open. How could this have happened? Who else? and it was the same link that she almost cut, right? Her heart beat rapidly. She had to keep moving. This was no time for analysis. With a gentle push, the lab doors opened, the chains lightly clinking against the glass as they swung in. As she stepped in, she heard the sensors click. Suddenly, out of the darkness, a cat shot past her legs just as the lights came on. Jesus Christ, Sam screamed, and dropped the bag for the third time today. What in the hell is a cat doing in here? Sam looked around the room. It looked like nothing had changed. It was hard to believe their big meeting had only been 36 hours ago. It felt like weeks had passed with all the emotions of the last few hours. Looking back at the entrance to make sure the doors had closed, a cold tingling crept from the top of her neck to the bottom of her spine with the speed of a centipede. Is there anyone here? She tried to keep her voice from cracking. The hairs in her arms stood on end. The smell of Chinese food they'd ordered Friday night turned her stomach. I'd make a horrible criminal, she thought. At the whiteboard, Sam put her right hand on the smudge mark left when she'd slammed the whiteboard. The print of her left thumb stuck out from the side of her right palm like an appendix. Everything was the same, yet it somehow felt different. Sam sat down at her workstation. If they blocked my access, then all is lost. Why did these damned if then thought experiments pop into her head anytime she was stressed out now? Sam took a deep breath. No, she thought, that's not right. If they block my access, then all is lost. Else, I win. She opened her eyes wide and leaned forward towards the screen. And with a subtle beep, her home screen appeared. And moments later, The data was all being transferred to her private drive. All of it. Just like that. It seemed too easy after all this stress. Sam spun in the chair to look back at the door, expecting to see someone there. The director of the facility, a guard, the goddamn cat, anything. But she was alone and now flooded with adrenaline from head to toe. Sam walked back to the whiteboard smiling as she inspected the image taped there. The image was of a demon, black and white only, somewhat formless and not a little unnerving. It was amazing that someone could draw something in only two dimensions that could make you feel uncomfortable. Sam grabbed the demon image and plucked it off the whiteboard, revealing the rest of the sentence that had been hidden beneath it. Sam grabbed a marker off the ledge and rewrote all the letters to their former glory. Marveling at the sentence as if it was a work of art, she said aloud, Why this stuff and not some other stuff? I'll tell you why, because... Pulling one straight line under the words with the marker, Sam finished the thought by saying, Because reality isn't an accident. The Evolve Faster podcast is written, produced, and performed by Scott Ely. Many episodes are also co-written with the help of Antonio Rosich. It takes an enormous effort to produce all the quality original content needed for this podcast. Your support would be greatly appreciated and you can learn about multiple ways to do so by going to evolvefaster.com forward slash subscribe. Here you'll find direct links to review and give the podcast five stars on key platforms like iTunes and share it on social media. These are free to do but are critical to audience growth. And the only way to find out about new seasons is to register your email, so please do so. You will only receive valuable content and information on upcoming seasons and products. And finally, if you're benefiting from the Evolve Faster podcast, direct financial support at whatever amount you can afford is important for our survival. Running ads on a channel for free thinking content is an inherent conflict of interest. So if you want the podcast content to remain unhindered by commercial interests and stay edgy and raw, then direct support is the best and only path to content independence. Also, writing and production of each episode of the Evolve Faster podcast is a major undertaking spanning many months. It's a labor of love, but it does need your help to survive. So please consider becoming a subscriber at evolvefaster.com forward slash subscribe. Your help and support are greatly appreciated and are what makes this podcast possible. Isn't it time for an upgrade? It's time to evolve faster.